whatever problem, whatever issue you're going through right now, just give it to the God of all eternity. Just continue to open your heart to the Spirit of God. You're in a holy place, a protected place. You're in the presence of the one who loves you so much he gave his son. Receive him right now. Receive the healing of the master right now into your heart. There's so many who came to me last night and just opened their hearts and started sharing outside with the children. Their hurts, their pains, the trials they're going through. You're back here this morning because God wants to touch you and point you and start setting you up for your restoration. So just right now, put your hands, just put them to your heart. Allow your Father just to comfort you, to rescue you. Lord, we pray over the minds. We pray over the hearts of your people right now. Rescue, Father. Heal the broken memories. We pray for those who are hopeless without hope, whose hope is deferred, whose heart is broken. Oh, Father, we ask you to heal the brokenhearted. We ask you to deliver those that are bound in chains and in darkness. We ask you to open the eyes of those who cannot see the way out of their situation. Touch every mother, every expectant mother, every single mom, every single dad, every grandparent, every military, law enforcement, fireman. Touch every marriage and every life, every teenager, Father, every teenager. Father, we come right now and we plead the blood over every child. And we come against right now any type of contact with the occultic or the satanic over this week. Any interest in that which would draw them from the power of God to the power of darkness. We come in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ with the armor of God. We resist the enemy and we put him underneath our feet. We do not exalt the spirit of the dead. We exalt the one who was dead and who is alive forevermore. And we decree that Jesus is Lord. And the power in his blood is alive forevermore. To cleanse, to wash, to purify, to redeem, to make whole. We praise you for the power. Jesus is Lord. He conquered hell and death. He conquered the grave. He's the only one. We rejoice in him. We rejoice in the Lord our God. The resurrection and the life. Right now, just real softly say the name of Jesus. Right now, softly just say, I plead the precious blood of Jesus over my life, my family, my car, all my possessions, over my neighborhood, and over my city. I thank you for your covering and your blessing that endures forever. Oh, hallelujah. Would you just praise Him? Just praise the name of Jesus. Just praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. 
praise you. Hallelujah. Now turn to somebody next to you and just shake their hand and hug their neck. Tell them I love you in the love of the Lord. Go ahead and reach out to somebody you don't know. Just look for somebody you may not know. Just greet them. Just welcome them. Just welcome them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. Just greet somebody. Tell them the Lord bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. We're so glad you're here. We bless you. In the name of Jesus. How many are visiting us for the first time? Would you raise your hand, please? Anybody visiting us for the first time? Oh, you. Hallelujah. Anybody? Hallelujah over here. Over here. God bless you. Good having y'all today. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else visiting for the first time? Over here. God bless you, sis. Good to see you. Anyone else over, over here? God bless you. Oh, I, I didn't see the hand. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's give all our visitors a welcome. Let's thank God they're here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. It is so awesome to have you today. Isn't it great to gather together and worship the God who is alive? Amen. Who all power is in the name of Jesus. And all these devils people dressed up for is subject to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But we had a great time. I want to thank all the volunteers who helped last night. So many people. We had a great crowd. Uh, we had uh, our fall festival here. And all the people showed up and worked and brought things and brought their children. And, and I tell you, we, I just want to thank everybody for that. Also, quickly, you know, next Sunday we'll be celebrating Veterans Day. And I'm having some special things made, some special gifts for all of our veterans. And we'll be putting our flags up and we'll be honoring you next week. But uh, if you can bring pictures or if you want to bring some of your medals or something we're going to have tables in the foyer like we always do and you can maybe you've never been here before for our veterans day but bring pictures of you when you've served or are serving in the service and we just want to honor you and and thank you for serving our country and we're going to have presents for everyone hallelujah we always give uh, a present to our veterans and so i got something being made and you just believe with me it'll be made by the next year not next year no no by next sunday by next Sunday. Uh, they better get on the ball. It better not be next year. But we're glad you're here. and We just bless you. And you're here to receive something, aren't you? You're here to receive something and hear something from God and not from man. You're here to worship Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. You're here to seek God, aren't you? And we're glad you are. And we bless you. We're going to seek Him together. And, you know, Thursday, I had the honor to pray with other denominations at LC over those who lost their jobs and over their lives and over the economy. And uh, we, we prayed last Sunday and we got together and a number of people showed out even though the weather was bad and prayed. And one of the things I want to share with you is Second Chronicles 26 verse 5. I'm just going to read this to you. It says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Not his job, not his salary, God made him to prosper. And that's one of the things that I believe he's teaching us at this time, and he's been teaching us, and his word has already taught us, that God is my source. You ought to say that God is my source. 
And our heart goes out and we do everything and we will do everything to help. And we do help uh, with, with thousands and thousands of dollars every year and helping with people and their needs. But as long as he sought the Lord, he made him to prosper. And then in the same book, Second Chronicles 15.2, this is what it says in the message. God will stick with you as long as you stick with him. I'm sticking with God. Amen. It says, if you look for him, he will let you himself find him. But if you leave him, he will leave you. And the word prosper there means advancement. It means promotion, not demotion, but promotion. That word prosper means to gain ground and increase resources. And that's what the Lord wants you to get your faith out right there. That as long as I seek the Lord, he will make me advance. He will bring promotion. He will cause me to gain ground, not lose ground, and increase. But it says in 3 John 2 that we prosper and we're in health because health is part of that word prosper as our soul prospers. He says, if you seek me, and one thing I want to share with you, when someone loses a job, how many of you know you get intense and you're looking for a job? I talked to a lady in Houston the other day. She's got over 50 resumes. That's intense. You know, you get intense. But how many of you know that if we would get intense about going after God and seeking God like we get intense for finding a job or even going after that deer this morning, God bless the deer hunters with a good season in the name of Jesus. Okay, just a little break right there. But listen, if we would get so intense in seeking God, he says, you get intense about seeking me, I'll advance you. And you'll pass go. And you'll pass jail. And you'll pass boardwalk. And I'll just keep advancing you as long as you stay intense. Not just lukewarm, not just Sarah, Sarah, what will be, what will be. No, we're not in the Doris Day Oprah Winfrey religion. We're in the religion of Jesus Christ. And he says, if you seek me, you'll be found by me. Now listen, Job 42.10 says, and the Lord restored Job's losses. I love this in the message. It says, no, New King James, the Lord restored Job's losses. Then it goes on to say, indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he's had before. Now, I want to share something with you. There is 41 chapters written about the worst circumstances and experiences that anybody could face in their life. The loss of seven children, the loss of everything they owned, living in a dirt pile, scraping with a piece of broken pottery covered with sores, and your own wife telling you, curse God, maybe he'll have mercy and kill you because you're no good alive. His best friends came and tried to discourage him even more. 41 chapters. You may be 41. You may not even be 41. You may be going through what seems like 41 miserable months, years. Who knows what you're going through but God. But even after 41 chapters explaining some of the worst things somebody could go through, God came through and God restored his losses and gave him twice as much as he had before. So I just want to encourage you that even though you may feel like you're down, he is the glory and the lifter of your head. And I want to encourage you about don't, about don't try seeking anything more than first seeking the kingdom of God, seeking God and his word. And he said, I'll add all these things to you. But there has to be an intensity. When we come in here to worship, we want it to be intense. We want to raise our hands before the Lord. We want to dance and shout and glorify our master and our king. We want to get a hold of the word of God. We want to get a hold of the presence of God. We want to be intense in our seeking him daily. And I can tell you right now, you shall be rewarded. And in the name of Jesus, just like Job, all losses shall be restored. Do you receive that? 
Amen. With us, just come forward. Uh, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. We want to thank you so much for your giving, your faithfulness. We pray that you are exempt and you have the covering of God from all recession, all poverty, and all need. Lord, we bless the gift and the giver, and we thank you for an increase of your mighty hand upon them. And we thank you for restoration, and I thank you that you are the God that restores losses. Lord, anything that's been lost, you can make it up in so many ways. So, Lord, we praise you for blessing your people. And we thank you that everyone here, you've called them and you've ordained them to be the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. So we praise you that that's where they live and that's where they walk. And we glorify you, King of righteousness, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you give. Thank you.
Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. your word and your blood reigns over all our past and our mistakes. We praise you that you reign over our circumstances, sickness, disease, and death. We come before you, Father of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the spirit of your Son within us. And we remember you on this day. We praise you that that night you took bread with your disciples and you had us in your heart. That you took that bread and you broke it and you gave it to your disciples. You said, take eat, for this is my body that shall bear the curse. My body that shall become the body of that lamb that was spoken from the day of Adam to Abraham and on. And you became our lamb that we may go free. And we praise you this day and we take eat together in the memory and men memory of you, Jesus Christ. Let's partake of the bread. We praise you that same night. You took the cup of the new covenant.
You said, this represents my blood. That shall be shed in the rem- for the remission, the forgiveness of sins, to buy back everything the devil claims to own. It's my blood that I shall ascend and put upon the mercy seat of God in heaven. And it's because of my blood, your name. Jew and Gentile alike shall have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. When I come, I'm coming for those who partake of this cup. So we praise you for the power of the new birth and the everlasting power of the blood as we take in remembrance of that power and of you. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. Well, once again, we're glad you're here. And uh, for some of you, we're going to be taking a little walk down memory lane. Are we ready to roll back there? Some of you parents, and some of the kids will remember this. How many know where we're going? How many of you remember? Woo-hoo! Uh, I remember Steve. How many remember his Blue's Clues, huh? Any of y'all remember Blue's Clues? Huh? If you didn't see it growing up, maybe your, your, your parents did, but I was raised. You, you were raised hearing that? Oh, Lord, the kids. Uh, wanted to paint the dog blue. But anyway, what I want to talk today is about clues to get out of the blues. Have you ever felt down, huh? And so anyway, y'all don't mind me. I like to cut up, so I'm going to cut up, and I like having fun. And So Jake never knows what I'm going to say. Jake, come on, let's do blues clues. Can you put pause on the PowerPoint? And, uh, and then we put on the sign, but I'm always coming up with something, and they never know what to expect. And my wife has learned in 27 years, never know what to expect. But it's okay to be fun. It's fun. Amen. But the deeper and sometimes the more depressing things can get, the more fun I want to make out of it. Because today I want to speak about clues to get out of the blues, to get out of depression. And young people and old people alike. And what I want to speak today about is I'm going to be speaking on the prophet, uh, prophet Elijah. And I want to bring something very interesting to your attention. You can be prophetic and still be suicidal. You can be rich. You can be poor and still be suicidal. You can be a pastor. You can be spiritual and still be suicidal. Elijah was the greatest prophet that ever lived, but he ended up being suicidal. And there are clues that you find in the Bible. It's the greatest book ever written to us. It's the Word of God, the heart of God explained. And there are clues, not just revelation, but clues on how to get out of your blues and how to get out of the depression. And God had to get Elijah out of his depression so Elijah could get back to being a prophet instead of being suicidal. And God wants to minister to many of you here today and next week because I'm only going to probably get to my first point today. But that's all right. We got next week. I don't want to rush through this because we're getting in a season of depression and suicidal. A lot of people think about loved ones who are not here this coming Thanksgiving and Christmas. A lot of people are going through grief and trauma and pain and worry. But God has an answer on how to get you out of the trauma and, and the problems you're in. And Elijah was at a point where he was at the highest he could get. I mean, he had killed 450 prophets of Baal. He had spoke the word of the Lord, and the Lord confirmed the word, sending fire down, consuming the altar, and the water that covered the sacrifice, licking up the water that was in the ditches around it. 
Elijah was used to send out, to bring down rain after he sent his servants seven times to look for the cloud and a man of faith, a man of power. Then we're going to find him to a point where he's at a point of suicide. But let me just lay a foundation here. Elijah showed up in a time where Israel had had 19 kings all in a row who led Israel into a pathway of paganism and idolatry and away from God. 19 kings in a row. 200 years of taking, bringing Israel, the kings, the leadership. That's why it's so important that we pray for those in leader, as the Bible says. Because the people will follow the leader. And so we got to pray for our leaders. And for 200 years, the leaders had brought Israel down a path to the point now they were sacrificing their children and they had forgot about the Lord their God. But even in the midst, when it seemed the darkest and Ahab had been the wickest and the worst of all kings, God raised up a voice. God raised up a prophet. And the Bible says that Elijah was a man with like passions as we are. But yet he prayed. He got, he got away from suicide and believing lies to getting back to what he was called to do, and that was to pray and to believe and trust God. And God took the kingdom from Jezebel and Ahab and gave it to another. And whatever you're going through today, you might be at a real high right now and everything seems cool, and you may be hearing my internet, and we welcome you, and everything in life may be the best it's ever been, but you could go from a high to the lowest low in one day. But the God who sticks with you and is there with you to get you from the lowest low, to get you back to the highest high, and to get your feet back, to get you right on the path of getting out of the circumstances you're in, he's the God who said, I'm your friend, I stick closer than a friend, and then I'll never leave you or never will forsake you. Amen. Elijah ran, he went to a a ravine called Kareth. The word Kareth means to be cut off, or the cut off of all sources. You may be at a point, or maybe some of you have got news that you're losing your job, or you've lost your job, or some business is shutting down. Well, Elijah got to the point where he got to the place of cutoff of all sources. It looked like all the future had been taken away from him, but yet he knew God's voice, and God's voice was still following him. And as long as we intensely continue to seek God, he will cause you to prosper, and he will bless you. And when one door shut, God is there to open another supernatural door. Amen? He took him, and he, took him and he sent him after the brook. The place of cutoff was cut off. He sent him in the house of a widow. And the Lord sustained him for the rest of the period. And the country was not in an economic slowdown like we are. The country was at an economic shutdown because it was three and a half of years of no rain and there was absolutely nothing and no way to even know how to survive. But right at God's timing, at the right time, God came through and God's going to come through for us and for America. Amen. So I want to start off with the first part here in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 3 in the message translation. Ahab reported, now he had already killed the 450 prophets of Baal. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. And Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her treat, with her threat, I'm sorry, her treat, with her threat. The gods will get you for this and I'll get even with you. Well, that's good, huh? Trick or treat, there you go. The gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as one of those prophets. Now, when, when, I, when I read that, I, I underlined it. I said, I will get you for this, and I'll get even with you. And I thought, I bet there's some people here who could say, man, that sounds like my ex-wife. <laughs> I've, been told, I've been told that before Somebody's going to get even with me Well I want you to know God's going to just bless you And bring you up Amen And it goes on to say in the next verse 
In verse 3, when Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba. For it was the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and went on into a desert, another's day journey. He ran for dear life. Do you know where he ran? He ran for days till he got to the very end of the nation to the very point, and there was no more place to run. He ran out of places to run. Boy, is God speaking to somebody here this morning. You have ran out of all the options you had. You have run as you might have come from Alaska, and now you're in Louisiana. You might have ran all the way down to Morgan City, and there's no more place for you to run. You have ran from church to church. Marriage to marriage, friendship to friendship, addiction to addiction. But I'm telling you now, sometimes you've got to get to, you run out of options, and you're to the point of giving up to where God can get you, and as we're going to learn here, the words in the Hebrew, and recreate you, argue with the lies you've been believing, and admonish the truths you've been speaking, and bring you to the point where he's able to grab you, and take you, and rescue, and recreate your life. But I want to talk about, even though he was a prophet, he was suicidal. Now listen to this. Over 33,000 people in America die by suicide every year. 33,000. Suicide is the fourth leading cause of death among adults between the ages of 18 and 65 in the United States. It's the 11th leading cause of death in the United States. A person dies by suicide every 16 minutes in the United States and attempt... It's estimated to be one every minute. An attempt, one every minute. Now, I'm not asking you if, if you've ever attempted or if you've, co- no, if you've committed suicide, you wouldn't be here. But if you've, att- I'm not asking you if you've attempted suicide. But if you know of somebody who has committed suicide or attempted suicide, would you raise your hand? Anybody at all? Oh, my God. Oh. You're going to be able to minister to them after this. We're going to give you some materials and some tools out of the Word of God to where if there's anyone you know or anyone who has, you're going to be able to save their life. You are going to be the lifesaver. Some of you have always wanted to be a lifeguard. Well, now you are. And you don't have to be David Hasanoff. 90% of all people who die by suicide have a diagnosable a psychiatric disorder at the time of their death. Four males commit suicide to every female. I wonder why. (laughs) Somebody put that in my notes. Anyway... Three, t- <laughs> three times as many females, uh, but, but three times as many females attempt suicide than males. The males end up doing it. Every day, approximately. <laughs> See, it's good to laugh. It's healing. Laughter is like a medicine. So when you get home, you'll unload your gun. Every day, approximately 90 Americans will take their life, and 2,300 more will attempt so. Now, listen to this. 
Suicide is the fifth leading cause among teenagers. Five to 14 years old. It's the third leading cause among teenagers, 15 to 24. Among young people aged 10 to 14 years old, the rate has doubled in the last two decades. Risk factors for suicide among young include suicidal thoughts, psychiatric disorders, depression, impulsive aggressive behavior, bipolar disorder, certain anxiety disorders, drug and alcohol abuse, and previous suicide attempts with the risk of increase with the stress and access to firearms. The suicide rate among older people is mostly significant after the age of 65. Listen about depression now. Over 60% of all people who die by suicide suffer from major depression. 60%. That's why we got to touch this subject in church. Over 60% of people commit suicide. They suffer by depression. Depression affects nearly 10% of America ages 16. Over a given year are more than 24 million people. More Americans suffer from depression than heart disease, cancer, AIDS, or anything else. About 15% of the population will suffer from clinical depression at some time during their life. But you're being free from that in the name of Jesus, as, even as you sit in the presence of the Lord. 96% of alcoholics who die by suicide continue... Uh, 96% of alcoholics who die by suicide continue their substance abuse up to the end of their lives. And then there's just... It just goes on and on and on about the different things. But I want to share with you today about getting out of depression. One of the things you have to fight, you have to fight the fear. You may want to write that down. You have to fight fear because fear increases and it magnifies what leads to depression and hopelessness. For example, so many people feel, you know, who's going to help me next? Where am I going to find help? Or you start getting, something starts going good for you and you hear so many people say, yeah, how long is this going to last? How can I expect this to last? Or, or you, they, people say, you'll never know what happens next and all these type of fears. And let me just share something with you right here. Let me just throw this in. Elijah ran for dear life because he heard Jezebel was going to kill him. But can I tell you something? The thing that Elijah feared never happened in his life, he never died. He's the one that God sent the chariot by fire to pick him up and bring him to heaven. And the man who was running for his life never died because God sent a chariot at the end of his life to bring him up to glory. Job says, the thing I fear came upon me, but we've got to be careful that many times the things we fear, you've got to understand the things you fear doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen to you, but it'll keep you running for the rest of your life. That's why you've got to break that fear. And so one of the things I want to share with you today. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba. And as I said, he, he ran uh, to the end of the tip. And so I want you to make this your first point here today. Burnout. You have to be careful of burnout. You have to be careful of wearing yourself out. He had just killed 450 prophets. He had built an altar. He put the sacrifice. He prepared the sacrifice. Had the water poured on it. He had wore himself out. And one of the things you have to do, you have to be careful that you just don't wear yourself out. But there's a point I want to bring out today to the believers. A lot of believers, it's not just the job and the work at home that's wearing you out. But a lot of believers, a lot of parents, a lot of ministers, a lot of good people, they get wore out because they feel they have to, listen to me now, they feel they have to be strong for everybody else. 
As I was praying over this, the Lord led me in this area that what I'm dealing with, what I'm, who I'm ministering today are people who feel they always have to be strong, they have to always be positive, and they always have to be perfect for everybody else. They can't have a down day. And I wrote down, it's a hero syndrome. Well, I've got, to ha- I've, I've got to be a hero for everybody. And so some of you young people, you identify, some of you older guys like me, some of you geeks identify what I'm about to say. As I was thinking this and I was writing these things down, I thought about Wayne, um, Bruce Wayne, Batman. Billionaire. Has every toy and airplane and cool car in the world. The best outfit. I mean, the coolest dude, the richest dude. But guess what? In the comic books and in the movies, he's always depressed. Why? He's got to be strong for everybody else. He can't tell about he's having a bad day. He's got to listen to everybody else. He's got to be always saving people. But how many of you know even Superman can't work when there's kryptonite? You can't be strong for everybody and expect to be able to continue and live strong the rest of your Christianity and your life. You're not going to be fruitful if you're always being strong for everybody else. You know what? You're human. It says, Elijah was not supernatural. Elijah was a man with like passions as we are. And we have been pushed and we have been trained and we've been told, you can't ever have a bad day. You can't ever have a down day. Don't you ever say that you feel bad. Don't talk negative. And we, 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 we push ourselves and we train ourselves and we think we've got to be so perfect. Well, the truth is, there's nobody perfect. And if you have a down day, you're having a down day, and you just got to pray for somebody to pray for you and help you, just like people ask you to pray for them. But if you think that you got to be the perfect strong, and you're going to be the perfect example, and you're the perfect person, 24 hours a day, every day of the week, you're going to burn yourself out. Because Elijah thought, and he even told God, I'm the only one. And God says, you're lying. I'm the only one who can fix Israel. I'm the only one who can fix my marriage. I'm the only one who can fix my child. I'm the only one who can fix this. I'm the only one who can be what these people need. Oh no. The only one is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So many people say, I'm tired. What's wrong with me? Well, maybe you need a break. And I'm going to give you some examples, but I tell you, see, I got caught in this trap. When I was 19 years old down in the jungles, and I saw the people who were lost, I was having eight services a week. I'd get up at 3.30 every Sunday morning. You can ask my wife. I'd get up at 3.30 every Sunday morning to make it to my first service out in the jungles at 7 o'clock. My first service was 7 o'clock in the morning, but I had to leave my home by 4 in the morning to get there. It took three hours. I'd preach, get through, drive another four hours, get my wife, and go to Krikahuti to have service at one o'clock in the afternoon. Then when we get through that service, we'd get in the truck or the car, and we'll go somewhere else. And I was just wearing myself out. I was getting sick, and one day, I was under a tree, just like Elijah, in Punta Gorda. And I saw this missionary. I heard about him. He was a famous missionary in Belize, lived up in the northern part. He was walking by, and he saw him, and he came to talk to me. And I just started crying under the tree, just like Elijah. He says, what's wrong? And we introduced each other. And I said, I heard about him and everything. I said, brother, I said, there's so much to do. I'm, I'm going eight services a week, but I'm tired and I'm burnt out. I'm so tired. He says, do you think you're everybody's savior? 
Do you think you're called to save every Mayan Ketchi and everyone else in Central America? Do you believe you're everybody's savior? Do you believe you're going to save everybody? No. Then why are you killing yourself trying to be? That still didn't stop me. It took malaria to put me in bed to learn that 19 hard head to behave myself. Slow down. Let God be God. If you answer every phone call, if you go to every, every need, if you try to do everything yourself, you're going to burn yourself out and you're, you're going to be exhausted. And then when you get down, you're not even going to be able to pick your own self up. And now I want to meddle. Don't say come on to you know what I'm talking about. Because I'm going to talk to you all about something that if you want a vacation, you need to learn to cut your cell phones off. Because I did a study. Sookie, 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 sookie. People live by their cell phones. And I have found scientific proof that it is a bondage and it is an addiction. Listen now. This is by psychiatrists and doctors. We also observe other people walking down the street seemingly hardwired to their cell phones. Just go to any restaurant in the United States, sit down for a quiet dinner, and you will soon be berranged by cell phone conversations. When you get up from your table to go to the restroom, you will hear other people in stalls, talking on their cell phone. Hello? Hello? No, I'm on the phone. I ain't talking to you. Okay. Anyway, listen to this. This is what they come up with. People are stressed out, angry, lack of tolerable, going through problems because the feel of the have to, of answering that phone, the have to. Say that with me, the have to. You see, people are stressed out about going to work because they feel I have to go to work. Whatever you have to do, you get freaked out about doing it. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody's, my marriage is over. Then the phone rings. Wait a minute, Pastor. Hey, how you doing, buddy? They have to check it out. Listen to this. They have to have their cell phones on at all times or they will miss out on something extremely important. Yeah, like your child telling you something at the supper table. Your cell phone can be your biggest enemy in your war against stress or it can be your greatest ally. Most, this is all by, written by professionals. Most of the stress that we encounter during the day is core stress. Core stress is what occurs every time you have, to do, you have to do something instead of want to do something. Core stress. You got a cell phone? Ra- raise your cell phone. If you got a cell phone, let me see your cell phone. Let me see your cell phone. No, this ain't a trap, I promise you. This is, this is freedom. This is, this is ministry. This is ministry. Hold your cell phone. Say with me. I own this. And it does not own me. Say it again. I own this. And it does not own me. Let me give you an example. Thank you very much. You're free now. But let me give you an example. 
This cell phone is not going to control my life. Monday's my day off, and I'm with my wife, and I get a cell phone call. I go to see who it is, and it's a pastor's friend of mine. If he's listening by the internet, he's going to be angry about what I'm going to say. <laughs> but there's others who already know, and I'll tell them. He called and he says, hey, I know it's your day off, but I'm on the road and I'm traveling out of state and I just thought we'd catch up. Even though it's your day off, give me a call. No. I, I love you, but you ain't hearing from me today. It's my day off. I own this and it does not own me. Now, people don't mean to be bad and they don't mean to grab a hold of you and pull you down and take you down. But listen... You don't, they can leave an email or they can leave a voicemail instead of drive you insane. And you could call them back. Does this make any sense to you? This is simple, but I'm telling you, you can't be everybody's hero and you can't be on call 24 hours a day. You have to have some downtime. You have to have some you time. You have to have some family time. That's what's so good. I see, I see my brother back there with his crop vest on. That's what's so good about motorcycles. But now they've got phones and a helmet. But boy, what's so good is you get on the open road, you turn that baby off, and all you hear is the wind and God speaking in the wind. I've told you before, God speaks in pipes. He speaks through pipes. Just calms you down. But he gives the example that you're in a restaurant and you're enjoying the meal. And somebody sits next to you and you're getting ready to talk to your wife or your child and you hear, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And you hear this strange voice when you're having family time. And then they talk louder. You are on the receiving end. And guess what they call this? How many of you have ever heard of secondhand smoke? Well, you're living with secondhand cell phone smoke. And so you're hearing somebody else's conversation and all that. So you, they, they tell you, you know, they even give a, a three-day seminar how to cut out other people's voices when they're speaking on the cell phone. I don't think you've got to go to a seminar for that. I think you can learn that yourself. But you concentrate. And you tune them out. You don't get curious about what they've got to say. You tune them out and you relax and you concentrate on the ones you're with. Because I think we're being so desensitized. And this is one of the points I'm going to get to. And I won't have time to get to it today. But this is one of the points we get to. We get so used to speaking on the cell phone. So used to speaking on the email. So used in getting our laundry out on Facebook. That we don't know true communication. Let me tell you what true communication is. Brother Bob, can you follow me here? True communication is the Beatles song. I want to hold your hand. <laughs> True communication is eye to eye, ear to ear, heart to heart. That's true communication. That's true communication. Technology is sensitizing. And let me share something with you that God had to do to Elijah and had to do throughout the Bible that true communication does if we really want the truth. If, if you are going to get out of the blues, sometimes you just got to get plain slapped. <laughs> on TV, you notice that on TV they're doing all the time, they're going in there. I didn't hit you hard, so don't sue me. But they, 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 they tap on the back of the head, pow! But they do it real hard, slap you back to reality. That's what communication, and that's what love, and that's what friendship is all about. Listen, we need the truth 
told to us whether we like it or not or we'll never get out of depression. We need the truth. Hey, listen. You just need somebody to... Listen, you're wrong. You're wrong. If you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to lose the best man, the best woman in your life and it's going to be your fault. And when you do, don't come crying to me because I'm telling you right now, you're a stupid idiot. You know it's wrong. You're blowing it. And you better wake up to... You better wake up to reality that you're going to lose the woman God gave you, the man God gave you. You better wake up to reality. You can't do that on a cell phone. You can't do that through an email. And you don't need to do that on a Facebook. What is needed is true communication. Eye to eye, mouth to mouth. Hey, you're wrong and you need change in that area. A word fitly spoken. In love. But hey... You gotta wake up. I've been listening to you, but you know what? You keep telling me all of her faults, but look, let's talk about your faults. That's true communication. You've been blaming God, but by what I understand, you lived your life like you wanted to all these years, and now you're paying some consequences. God wants to restore your life, but you need to humble yourself before God and stop blaming Him and find out where the real blame and get to the root and fix it. That's true communication. And we're going to see God did that with Elijah. And we need that done with us. But we got to understand that we are dying slowly by burnout. If we don't learn to turn the cell phones off, turn the TV off. He burnt himself out and wore himself out. You know why? He had to watch the news. I hope Brother Joel don't mind. He had to watch the 10 o'clock news before going to bed when he needed to be in bed for 9 and then he heard something that made him mad and he couldn't fall asleep to 12.30. We need to learn to pull back and rest. I'm, I'm going to end here. And uh, I, I, we're going to really get deep into this other stuff. But let me just share one thing with you. My wife and I lived in the Latin culture for 18 years. And if they got anything going for them, it's the siesta. Everything shuts down at noon and opens up at four. And so you go home. You can't get a pipe. You can't get a part. You can't get nothing. You got to go home and you take an hour to two hours eating with your family. And then at 1.30 or 2 o'clock, you go take a nap. And you're going to see that that's what God made Elijah do twice. He didn't give him a prophetic word. He didn't give him a scripture. He didn't give him, thus saith the Lord. The angel went and slapped him and said, I want you to eat and take a nap. He ate and he took a nap. And when he woke up, what did the angel do? Made him take another nap. So let me tell you something. You're going to have to learn to rest. Getting that second job because you've got to have another motorcycle? Oh, no, 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 no. You'll be burnt out and you're restless and you're making everybody miserable because you're so high strong. You've got to... You've got to relax. You've got to learn to chill. You're not everybody's savior. Circumstances are not necessarily going to change because you go there or you are there. God can send others if you can't do it. That's why we want to raise this church up as an army. To where it's not an army of one. It's an army of many. For the one. Amen.
And so, I, I want, go ahead and just, let's turn the lights out. And I want to encourage you, come tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be speaking on the fifth letter in the book of Revelation, and it's about tradition. Oh, we got to break tradition tonight. I'm going to speak about tradition. But right now, I want you to just close your eyes. I just, just want you to concentrate, meditate upon the Spirit of the Lord right now. And you may be here today, you may be feeling totally burnt out. You may feel so tired. You may be feeling so depressed. You might have been fighting depressed this last week. You might have been fighting even thoughts of suicide the last week or the last month. You may be feeling so hopeless like there's no hope and nothing in sight. But the Lord spoke this message because he wants to get you clues in getting out of that place that you feel is the end of the line. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, teach me to enter into your rest. I receive your comfort. I receive your peace to take over my understanding, my thoughts, and my emotions and bring me into one with you to your spirit to follow you wholly. Heal me of all hurts and all pains. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now your heads are still bowed. Your eyes are still closed. If there's someone here, and just raise your hand and put it right down quickly. Anyone here today, you've been fighting depression. We're going to minister to you about that as the weeks go. But I want you to raise your hand. God bless you. Okay, I see those hands. Yes. I see those hands. Yes. I see those hands. Young and old alike. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One of the Christians praying. Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And through the keys of the kingdom, I bind every demonic attack of depression, that spirit that would try to bring to naught your king and your queen redeemed by your blood. I come against any form of depression from any ways of entering in, any circumstances that would try to bring down lives and marriages, that would increase the stress level of their lives and cause them to just want to quit when you've told us you've given us the spirit of patience and endurance. I come against that spirit of depression right now in Jesus' name. And tied into that depression, I come against every form of self-pity, the exaggeration of lies, mental lies. That have been planted there for weeks and days and years. Of believing lies that now you want to bring to our attention to free us. That we now can accept the truth. I break the spirit of self-pity and depression and hope deferred in everyone that raised their hands. And those that did not that are yet believing for, for the spirit of joy, peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. I pray right now that you free them Holy Spirit through the anointing. Destroy every yoke and lift every burden of depression off of them that they may go free. And we'll give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. One last call. Eyes are bowed. Eyes are bowed. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. I'm sorry. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if there's someone here today that you say, I feel lost, I don't know Jesus. You see, you can have it all, but without Jesus, you'll never conquer depression, suicide, or any other thing. 
Jesus is the answer. He's the truth to anything that you're going through. If you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to the one who loves you so much he gave his son for you, just raise your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus into my heart and surrender my life to him. Anyone at all, raise your hand real high. Anyone at all, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. God, God bless you. God bless you, young lady. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else at all? Anyone else? God bless you, sir. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? I need surrender. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. I see your hand. Yes. Yes. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else at all? Anyone else at all? I want to surrender my life to Jesus and receive hope and receive peace. bless you. God bless you. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Now I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me upon the cross. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender everything with my life. And I give it to you. Wash me. And cleanse me. With your precious blood. And I receive. Your sacrifice. For my life. Therefore. I am born again. I am saved. Thank you Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Now, Brother Benny, Brother Guy, Sister Christy, if y'all would stand up, please. If y'all would walk towards the back and those who raised their hand almost in every section, if you would follow these three uh, into the prayer room, they will take your names and addresses. We have free material to give to you, and they will be there to pray with you, minister to you for anything. I saw the Spirit of God was moving on your life. So if y'all would go to the back and those who raised their hands, if you'd go meet them, please. And they got Bibles to give you and anything that you may need, materials, uh, certain prayers for parts of your life. Would you please go and, and just... Uh, God bless you. There was some from this section raised their hand. Would you go? Would y'all just stay there at the door as they come? And they're coming right now. Uh, There was more. Let's give them a hand and let's praise God, sir. Thank you, Jesus. And just take a moment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, listen, we love you. We thank God for you. And don't forget, the next few Sundays, next Sunday, we're going to continue on the other three points on, and on how to get out of there. Tonight, let's break tradition and let's go free in Jesus' name. We love you. And Brother Jake, would you dismiss us, please?